0: Welcome back to another episode of the Activation Phase podcast. I'm JP. I'm joined today by Tim. Hello. Today we have a very special episode. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. I can feel it. Um, we are talking about a tournament that you just ran this weekend on the 2nd of April 2022. Yes. So, uh, unfortunately, you didn't get to play because the, uh, yeah. the numbers didn't quite... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, line up right. Yeah,
1: I mean it's 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 only fair, right? Because I got to play on the last tournament, and you couldn't because you couldn't make it for like private reasons. So uh, I think it's just fair that you uh, you got one back, and I couldn't play this time. So uh, it's all right. uh, So now it's my turn. I can talk about my games. (laughs) uh, I'm just going to start
0: off with saying thanks a lot for organizing the tournament. It was uh, very enjoyable. Ran very smooth. Yes, the terrain. I've completely changed my mind.
1: <laughs> uh, on 2D terrain, we got to talk about that as well. Yeah,
0: yep. I I now approve. Went from <laughs> a strong disapprove to now a strong approve. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a great time. So thanks a lot for organizing that. I know a lot of effort went into it, a lot of time. So uh, it, uh, from from a participant perspective, it was great. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
1: yep. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, it was All fun right. to organize. Yep. So we have a very busy agenda today. Uh, so much. So much to talk about. So we're going to start off talking a little bit of background on the tournament itself for those people who were unfortunate enough not to be able to attend. Uh, And then uh, we'll go through some of my my games. And then you collated quite some interesting results in terms of scenarios, uh, results, whether or not the first or second player has an advantage. So we're going to dive, dive into the statistics. I'm going to crunch some numbers. It's going to be great. Yes. Why don't you start off giving a little bit
1: of background on the tournament itself? All right. So uh, it was on the 2nd of April, as you just said. Um, it was all the way up here in northern Germany in Osnabrück. Um, it was actually like 20 players. 18 players could make it. Uh, 19 including me. But yeah, odd numbers just make it so that the organizers can play, I guess. Um, so that was, that was a lot of guys. It was su- super cool. Um, twenty twenty something were uh, were signed up, but uh, some needed to stay home with uh with like the flu and and stuff. So, uh, eighteen showing up is a big win for me. This was my first time organizing in the sa- a saga tournament. Um, I, ha- I had done forty k a few times before, uh, but also in my hometown and on, up here in Osnabrück, So, uh, it was very interesting and quite challenging because I didn't know the location and I, yeah, I, I've I, I've been to saga tournaments before, but they they're definitely definitely like different 240k k tournaments um it was very fun to organize the i think the people are super grateful for every tournament that you get for like a niche game like saga it's just like you like you uh you seem very happy to have more tournaments going for this uh for this kind of smaller game um and so the the vibe and the uh, yeah the atmosphere was really great. It was yeah, uh, the atmosphere was was amazing, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, everyone had fun and uh, just yeah, that was super cool. 18 people, 18 players is also like I think it's a good number. It's very manageable for me as a like uh, we had, we were like a duo team organizing it um with uh, with all the the buying and preparing and stuff and then there was there were a few other people from our uh, club joined us on that day to do the food and drinks and stuff. So uh, I think they went like, super well. It was three games during the day. Um,
0: I think the, the choice of scenarios were, was also interesting. It was yeah. a departure from the usual German scenario. So, <laughs> um, I'm just going gonna, gonna to say the, uh, the English words, uh, English yep. uh, scenario names. So the first one was desecrate. The second was prized possessions, which I, I want to go and say it was probably the first time it was used in a tournament. Yeah, least, probably that, yeah. that I know of. Okay, yep. we're just gonna claim it. It's, it's yep. the first time used in tournament, and then the third one, third and final one was uh, change of
1: plans. Definitely not the first time used in a tournament, though. <laughs> no, definitely not. But still, still a good one. Yeah. So yeah, um, um, about the scenarios, I uh, I just thought I would try something. I mean, we thought we would try something. I asked a few other organizers um, and uh, talked to them if they if they think that's all right to do like an Asymmetrical, uh, tournament uh, like scenario, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, you can try." So we tried, um, and the, yeah, the whole feedback on the scenarios is just very, very positive. People loved it actually because they loved that they didn't have to play the same, boring, spawning th- scenarios again, and uh, they really, yeah, enjoyed it. How did you enjoy them?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed um, Price Possession. It was actually the first time I had played it, so. It's kind of a, a baptism of fire. Uh, desecration, <laughs> I I like anyway. I think it's a lot of fun. Yes, um, there's a little bit of a yeah. It's a good good warming up one. It's not too complicated, so you can kind of kind of start off and and not think about too much and just get in the vibe. Yeah. Um. And I think the orders, uh, the order of the scenarios was also good, especially with price possessions in the middle. You have seven turns there, so it takes yeah. a little bit longer. So you had. Uh, um yeah a little bit of extra time to um to give people yeah t- a chance to finish their seven uh, yep, seven yep. turns and then the final one a change of plans it's uh most of the action happens in the the first three turns so there um it's it's relatively short compared to the other ones as well
1: yeah yeah that's uh that went super well i think because uh kind the energy kind of is gone by i don't know like like 6 p.m. or so so having change of plans and not having to go through the last hour with big brain moves it's just uh it's just really good i think you said that to me that you uh enjoyed not having to think for the last hour of your last game
0: <laughs> yeah i mean especially the last uh last three turns you you basically run away so yeah and uh like that that's pretty easy there's no not a lot of uh not a lot of arithmetic involved so that's good yeah. um yeah i think that covers the maybe the admin part, or the, uh, <laughs> the beginning part. So we had a really good mix of, of factions turn up. Uh, there was some duplication in the Umayyads, actually, so two Umayyad players, uh, two Franks, uh, two pagan Russ, and two, uh, two Vikings. Yep. And then the rest were, yeah, Goths or Lombards, that was me, late, uh, the late, Ro- or last Romans, sorry, Joms, Vikings, Welsh, um, Irish, Scots, and Anglo-Danes, and Normans being taken just once. So it's a pretty good turnout. There's no uh, no five Anglo-Saxon players,
1: so that's what's good. <laughs> the only missing factions, actually, from the Vikings book, including Skrellings and Old Friends New Enemies, were um, the Saxons from Old Friends New Enemies, the Anglo-Saxons from the Normal book, and the Skrillings from... Uh, yeah, from the Studio Tomahawk website. So I think that's amazing having 18 players there and just like three factions missing is super cool. Let's maybe
0: jump into my games then. Yes, so let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. I will. Uh, it's only been a few days, so I'm going to try and remember what uh, what happened. <laughs> my first game was uh, desecration against uh, Timo. I brought Lombards, so that's the uh, old friends, new enemies version of Goths. Uh, if you want more information on that we released a uh a uh, good <laughs> if i say so myself episode on the goss not too long ago uh, but the main difference with the goss is that you have to take all mounted for hearthguard and warriors uh, you obviously can't take cataphracts and then the uh, levy can be either bows or um, with the uh, no special equipment so for my list, um, and it was a fixed list uh, tournament. You can choose or switch at one point. So, my six points were two points of Hearthguard, three points of Warriors, and one point of Levy. So, my thought there was put the uh, Hearthguard in one group of uh, of eight with a War Banner, and then split the split the Warriors up depending on the situation, and then. With the levies, I could either go bow heavy or uh, give them bows or give them uh, just no special equipment if I had to uh, protect something or if there was no point in, in shooting. So that was, that was the general background. I'm actually quite happy with the list. Um, I don't think the, the issue was with the list itself. <laughs> um, so my first game was against Timo playing Umayyads. So Umayyads is also an old friend's new enemies board for the Age of Vikings. However, this is using the Moors, uh, Moors board from Age of Crusades. The difference here is that the Hearthguard have to um, are mounted or on foot, but they they can't take javelins like they can uh, in the Moors. Uh, your warriors can be on foot with normal weapons and and mounted with javelins, and then your levy I think are just uh, just with bows. So that's uh, so it's quite an interesting build as well. So he took a Warlord mounted with no special equipment, two points of Hearthguard mounted uh, with no special equipment, one point of Warriors uh, with Javelins. Uh, They were mounted. One and a half points of Warriors on foot with no special equipment with a War Banner. So that's kind of like your, that was his little Death Star. Um, Yeah. Half a point of Warriors just to soak up the fatigue that the board creates. And one point of Levies with bows. Placement of Terrain. uh, That's normally where I go wrong, and I think I just need to uh, practice setting terrain a little bit beforehand. (laughs) So uh, he placed uh, two swamps on my uh, table edge, so that was a little bit limiting. Uh, So I should have uh, picked up a a swamp pretty early on and uh, kind of thrown it in a corner or something to get it out of the way. I put in a a large smooth hill in the middle just to, uh, to stop his shooting a little bit and also to give give me some some lanes where I could charge, charge my cavalry through. Uh, he put some rocky terrain uh, at the back, or I put some rocky terrain at the back uh, to protect some of the markers and put in my uh, levy with bows to be able to shoot anyone that came by. And then he also put uh, ruins in his uh, backfield and essentially clumped uh, all of his uh, <laughs> markers really close together in, in the opposite corner. And I kind of mirrored that in... The opposite corner and my side so um yeah it was nicely
1: spread out all the markers were were pretty close by though it looked hilarious to be honest like when i saw you guys you had like two like your little corners just bunched up all together your markers just like just just out of m so it's legal and uh, it looked fun <laughs> yeah
0: yeah we I, I think most people kind of ended, ended up doing something very similar yeah um, it makes sense though because you're it makes it pretty hard to, to get to but anyway so, uh, he deployed most of his uh warband next to his markers, and then just had his large unit of warriors uh edging up towards um uh kind of on the side where where I had my markers, but they were relatively unsupported. So, I was thinking, um, when I deployed my warband, I was thinking maybe I'll just eliminate that unit first and then uh kind of deal with the rest of his army, but that's not quite how, to, how it went, <laughs> um. So the matchup itself was relatively interesting because the uh, the Moor board does um, kind of dishes out fatigue. It's a little bit like the Anglo Danes of the uh, Crusades era, I would say, where it dishes out a lot of fatigue. Uh, however, he also takes um, he also takes a lot of fatigue on his own troops at the same time. And I'm a little bit the opposite. Actually, I can take. Take fatigue from his units and then remove fatigue from my units. So there's a lot of fatigue on the board already uh, by the end of turn one. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting matchup. So maybe a few highlights w- without going uh, blow for blow by blow. I put up a screen of my uh, my warriors, my mounted warriors, uh, uh, just kind of to protect my my hearthguard. The plan was to go in with the warriors. Uh, Destroy or weaken the units, uh, drop some fatigue on his um, on his uh, units as well, and then go in with my Hearthguard later to uh, wipe up the remains and then get the markers as well. Because sometimes you, uh, I've bounced uh, or when I've charged one of the desecration markers, I've bounced back before uh, since they're surprisingly tough. Yeah, yep. sometimes. So yeah. I was like, okay, I have to attack them with the Hearthguard to make sure that I delete them, um, and uh, that does mean you get a fatigue. You can't play any advanced abilities against the markers, so you kind of have to rely on the weight of just having a lot of dice. Um, so that was the plan. Uh, nothing went according to plan. Um, so he uh. <laughs> He redeployed quite quickly, maneuvering his large block of warriors. He saw that they were a little bit unsupported, so he moved them back towards the center. Um, And then there was a little bit of a standoff between my mounted, uh, my Goths, and and his mounted uh, warriors. Um, Around turn two, I decided just to go for it and charge into his javelin warriors before they. uh, before they decided to throw some javelins at me. So I double, I moved and then charged. So obviously I came in with a fatigue, which is not a big deal for the goss. So I, uh, I did that with the resolve so he can use my fatigue. But I completely whiffed my, um, my attack rolls. So I think I eliminated two of his warriors. Uh, so their are armor three. Uh, and he actually got rid of, um, uh, I think, three or four of my warriors on the initial charge. So that was a little bit unfortunate. And it meant i had a uh, a, a semi-exhausted or a, a unit with the i think it was actually exhausted in the middle of the lines uh, i'd hoped to charge his warriors uh kind of blow them up put some fatigue on people so that was not that was not great <laughs> so that was the the beginning there he charged in his hearth guard or he put his hearth guard um uh, within charge range or double charge range of my uh my Hearthguard, so I decided to take the bait, charge in. Deleted most of it, or I think I removed four of its Hearthguard. Um, he killed two of my my Hearthguard, so it was not not great. But um, yeah, it was just a big big melee in one of the corners, um, and just uh, lots of death and destruction. <laughs> so it it got a little bit confusing at some point because it was just everyone charging, uh, everyone charging in. Uh, long story short i managed to get rid of his uh or kill most of his warriors with javelins they were down to 2 i charged his hearthguard again uh, got rid of most of them and then charged in his um in his warlord who had two fatigues to finish him off and then uh but on the flip side i also lost all of my hearthguards so I was—he'd um, lost uh, one point of warriors, two points of a hearthguard, and his warlord, and I'd lost two points of hearthguard and one point of warriors. So we were both kind of uh, low on dice by then. The last two two, two rounds, I completely—I um, I then decided to maneuver and try and get his, um, uh, tr- just try to uh, uh, destroy the markers since I was up on uh, on slaughter points but uh I managed to kind of screw myself over in the end by a bad placement of a group of warriors who
1: I saw that, yeah, yeah, who
0: did not manage to kill two warrior uh, eight i think eight eight um uh, eight warriors charging in did not manage to kill his two remaining javelin uh warriors mounted javelin warriors so uh and i had um, they also exhausted themselves, so they were I kind of blocked my warlord from charging in and destroying the objective so that was uh that was very unfortunate but it was kind of a, a lesson learned in terms of a little bit of forward planning is probably a good idea but uh
1: <laughs> Just anyway a bit. yeah
0: no, it was a good game i had a lot of fun my opponent was uh nice to to, to talk about uh, i'd never played against him so it was nice to have a chat with him and uh, also play the Umayyads which i hadn't done before so overall um uh, like it was fun, lots of things died. It wasn't one of these KG games where you end up dancing around each other and not uh, not fighting melee. There was uh, there were not a lot of units left on the board. So
1: that's always good. I think it's hilarious um, that you played um with his Umayyads and uh kind of got the same result as as me when I played Timo with his Umayyads with my own hands. Um yeah. So uh maybe talk about how the game ended. <laughs> Yeah, so the the game was was tied. Uh, I was up on
0: uh, <laughs> on on how how many I've actually killed, but uh, that doesn't matter since I didn't manage to uh, destroy his um, his markers. So uh, we tied. I gave, got one extra point because I killed this warlord, but that was it. So uh, I was relatively happy with the result. I hadn't played Saga in, uh, in a little while, so it was nice to warm up. And uh, yeah, it's fine. Um, at least like mentally, then it's fine. You don't have three losses. Because you have at least one tie, so you feel okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was the first uh, first game. We had uh, lunch. Uh, the lunch was really good. It was uh, just sausages, uh, cake. Um, <laughs> nice. I can't can't complain there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Easy win. Yep, it was a good time. So I next I was matched up against Yom's uh, Vikings, Arik. Was, uh, was playing them. I'd played against him before, actually. Um, coincidentally, with, uh, when I was playing uh, Step Peoples against his Jomsviking, uh, this was the second time I'd played uh, him with his Jomsviking. And uh, like I, I knew he was, a, he was a good player. He normally ends up somewhere near the, near the top quite consistently. And Jomsvikings, I think, are, are generally pretty tricky anyway. So this one was the prized possessions. Do you want to uh, maybe talk a little bit about the scenario itself?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think many people know it. So uh, this in this scenario, you uh, you roll for the starting player. The starting player gets to be the 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 defender. Gets three baggage trains added to their army, so uh, they kind of have additional units that don't generate fatigue. And the baggage trains also have determination. the The objective is in seven turns. You need to move the baggage trains. Through the enemies, uh, through the opponent's battle edge or battlefield edge, um, to score points. So if you leave the trains on the board, you lose points. If the enemy destroys your uh, your baggage trains, you lose points. The only way to score points, uh, extra points for you, is to get your baggage trains across the board and have them leave the match through the battlefield edge. So it's kind of it's it's very asymmetrical because the one guy has the uh, the baggage trains and yet the other person just needs to defend his line basically. But I think it's a very good scenario. It's uh it's quite fun because yeah, you suddenly have three more units to to, uh to watch out for and the they're very, very tough to kill, I feel. Um like they don't die that easily. They don't die to shooting ever. And um in melee they're also quite tough to kill. So Yeah they they they
0: have the resilience one and they also have bodyguards so you can sacrifice uh um Hearthguard to keep them alive, as yeah. I uh, as I learned <laughs> the um, hard way. <laughs> yeah, the hard way indeed. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of uh, the terrain itself, uh, the baggage needs to exit the table ed- or the the opposite table edge, uh, and you have to exit it uh, more than short away from the short table edges. So there's a little right. bit of a restriction there. So I placed a swamp um <laughs> kind of off off center a little bit or just by the edge. So uh if you decided to go um between the swamp and the table edge it would be somewhat restricted and I could kind of use it as a choke point. I put in a large um large hill in the center and um another swamp uh on the opposite side to kind of stop uh kind of limit his uh, his movement in terms of baggages. So he put down uh, half his warband, including one baggage marker, in the middle. Uh, so that didn't really give me much of a hint where he would uh, concentrate his forces. So I spread out my uh, my forces along most of the table ledge, actually, which ended up being a little bit of a mistake, since he then deployed his second half of his warband kind of on the complete opposite side of uh, of where I I, um, I had most of my forces so i was already on a little bit of the back foot there so it's a pretty good deployment by him uh, and maybe i should have been a little bit uh concentrated my forces in the middle a little bit more so i could uh, easily maneuver um so he he was playing Yom's vikings he had taken two points of hearthguard without any special equipment um four points of warriors and I think he had two, two times. He had two large blocks of warriors uh, that were uh, of uh, of ten warriors each, and then he had a small unit of uh, of six warriors with um, what are they called heavy weapons. Um. So yeah, I think that was. I think I'm missing something, but it's okay. Like that was <laughs> that was generally it. So. Uh, he had lots of uh, lots of warriors, basically, and one point or one large uh, group of Hearthguard. Um, with the Yom's Vikings, he does have quite a bit of mobility as well, using that uh, kind of the replacement ability from the activation pool, where he can uh, um, where he can activate three units just using one dice. So that was uh, very very powerful, and uh, already very quickly uh, at the beginning of the game, he was moving up really quickly. And that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Um, I was surpri- I keep being surprised about how quick Yom's Vikings can be. Uh, however, from previous, previous games, uh, I, kind of, I was trying to avoid giving any, any Wrath tokens whatsoever to him. Uh, just so it, it kind of limits what he can actually do with the board. So... Um, I think all game, I did not give him a single Wrath token. <laughs> so, uh, nice. <laughs> like that, it was, it was difficult, but it was uh, definitely the right choice. Uh, and then it actually turned out okay. He played uh, Northern Tempest a few times during the game, and I think he maybe only killed two warriors all the time uh, the the entire game based on just from that uh, ability so it's really not worth giving him wrath tokens for so i'm glad i i just committed to that course of action he was kind of uh, advancing up uh, on my right side of the board Uh, that's the side of the board that's kind of been funneled towards the board edge using the swamp uh, and on my side, I I really only had one unit of eight warrior mounted warriors defending that side. So I was a little bit nervous. I had to maneuver all of my army to wheel it around to try and uh, get back into a position where they would actually be able to charge. Um, and he was moving up uh, very quickly, uh, especially moving, double moving and then using the ability where he can uh, yeah, uh, move yeah. uh, two or uh, I think three three fatigues. Uh, in the activation phase, so that's a uh, that's pretty useful uh, uh, for this scenario. Um,
1: it looked it looked hilarious. You, you had like all your units just like turn around and just run for it, so that so that he can't move his uh, units across the board. It was yeah, it was amazing to look at.
0: Yeah, I, I essentially uh, blocked. I think most of his maneuvers. Um, by placing a unit close to it, and then I was just kind of rush all my all my other units into a position where they would actually be able to do something. So at the beginning, he charged in um, his unit of eight Hearthguard into my kind of defending defending unit of uh, of eight warriors, and kind of a miracle occurred. I managed to uh, from I think the twelve <laughs> hits he scored, I saved uh, something like eleven. Yes. Um this was using the immunity and using uh Gracia so that that means that you you get a plus 1 to your defense roll and you get two extra defense dice but even even all of that it was an amazing roll. Um and essentially it was a little bit of a uh haze developed because I I moved in my uh my hearth guard so essentially uh Eight, eight of my hearthguard and uh, eight of my warriors ended up defending this little bottleneck, where he was trying to get two uh, baggage carts to go th- between maybe I think uh, a distance of M between the board edge and the swamp, and kind of in this little area of land there was a, a unit of uh, ten warriors, eight hearthguard, and two baggages. just trying to get through uh, through my lines. Uh, he at some point rolled. Um, I think he put four four dice on his uh, the uh, the multiple activation uh, ability. That was insane. Yeah, so I knew it was going to be a, a a really bad time. But luckily, I'd loaded up my board to uh, quite defensively. So my Hearthguard here were the MVPs. The they took, <laughs> uh, I think four or five charges from warriors and Hearthguard units. Um, and survived. So uh, he was, uh, yeah. I think the, the my rolls were, were my defense rolls were pretty amazing. My attack rolls weren't great, and his attack rolls were were pretty pretty average. So um, they just completely shut down that side of of the, the table edge. And in the end, they did die, but it did take five five or six different charges. So um, that was pretty epic. I'm very happy about the uh, the result there. I sacrificed my my hearthguard in the end uh but for the greater good though. for the greater good indeed. Um and essentially what happened and, and a little bit the turning point was um I uh, um basically ground down his hearthguard. He moved in his warlord to uh to get into even more uh or get into weo bay range. I managed to um get rid of one of his warrior units i think that puts some fatigue on uh, all of the units around him and that really helped me so and then i could slowly pick off uh, i think first the the warlord putting more fatigue on the baggages uh, and the hearth guard uh, that were all bunched up close together then i charge him with my warriors to the hearth guard to eliminate them uh, because um I, I this is when i found out or that charging the baggage is a complete waste of time with Hearthguard next to it. Because <laughs> it's like, it's a armor, uh, I think it's armor 5 in melee. Yes. Uh, and you can't use um, I think you can't abilities. use abilities. Yeah. You can't use abilities. So basically it's really hard to get something through. And then he he was like, oh yeah, they have bodyguards. So he just took off like uh, I, the baggage was up to like three, three fatigue. So I was like, yes, I finally killed it. And then he just took off a Hearthguard. Uh, and that was really depressing. so uh, that's why I concentrated on just eliminating his hearth guard. and then once the baggages were uh, tired out, that's when I came in with my uh, my warlord and my warriors just to to end to kill them. And then uh, turns five, uh, I think five and six, he actually retreated to his board edge just to limit his losses. And then uh, turn seven, we just decided to call it because uh, I was not, I was up. So I wasn't going to charge in and give him more uh, massacre points. And uh, he was kind of turtled up and castled uh, around his last baggage train. So that was a really stressful, stressful game. Uh, Seeing my, uh, my Hearthguard be charged five times and survive was, was great. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty stressful rolling all of those defense dice. Uh, things I learned were that um, yeah, my deployment really needs to be a lot better. I need to be a little bit more uh, conservative and deploy uh, more bunched up in the middle of the um, in the middle of the table. So, kind of depending uh, on what my opponent does, I, I can react to it without having to spend one or two two turns maneuvering back into position uh my levy with bows were completely useless again and and didn't do i think i shot once and then killed two warriors and that was it so i'm not sure they were really worth it but uh, i think it's better especially in this scenario just to split them up into units of six and get the extra dice that would have been a lot more useful yeah uh, but yeah that was a really fun game very stressful um, I think we're both uh, pretty exhausted by the end of it, <laughs> in terms of how many activations took place and uh, how many combats got fought. So, and I think
1: I uh, like um, around the end of the of that game, I added like twenty minutes to the clock because many people had the same scenario where, where there was like one corridor of hold the door and just charges and charges. So uh, it took a lot of time. So I just like added twenty minutes to the clock so that you guys could actually like finish the game and get through with it. So by the end of that turn, I was uh, tied once, uh, won
0: once, had killed two warlords. So I think I was around the like fourth fourth place out of eighteen. So I was pretty happy there. Uh, but that obviously means that I'll be playing someone uh, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's that's definitely what happened next. So the third and final game was against uh, David playing Pagan Russ. I'd played David uh, before uh, when he was playing Normans and and knew that he was pretty pretty good with his movement and and very careful. So uh, this game was no different. This was a change of plans. He put a large forest in the in the middle of the board uh, and that kind of split up the uh, the table. He also put a large field um, along the center line so there was uh, like three channels really that was uh, that everyone had to go through. Uh, and obviously, with my all mounted army, it's really difficult to get through that type of terrain. It's just not fun, and it takes up a lot of uh, lot of dice. So I was relegated to uh, to some small patches of open open ground. So he was playing Pagan Russ. He took uh, let me get the list. It was just a <laughs> warlord, a normal warlord, two points of hearth guard uh, in one uh, in one big block. And three points of warriors split into one unit of twelve warriors with the banner, and then one unit of eight, and one unit of four, and then one point of levy with uh, javelins. Nothing too, uh, nothing too crazy. Yeah, with change of plans, essentially you roll every single unit you have to deploy, and um, whoever rolls highest has to deploy a unit. Uh, and then if you tie, player number one uh, places units. So David was actually player number one. However, that didn't help me at all. I was Rolling fives and sixes pretty much the entire time, so my entire war war band was deployed by the time he had to put down a single unit. So that was <laughs> not that was not optimal, um, since he essentially deployed his entire war band on one side of the the table again, and uh, that kind of meant that I uh, he he kind of out deployed me there. That made it difficult,
1: especially with with Pagan Russ with their movement shenanigans so I feel like you really really gotta gotta play and like work on your deployment game man it's like three out of three you yeah, uh, kind definitely. of suck that deployment and uh we could have won you the game if you did it differently i think that might be your biggest uh point yeah, for improvement.
0: I'm, I'm not sure if it would have won me the game it would definitely have made yeah. my life <laughs> a lot easier so yeah. um yeah i was uh, i was like oh i really need to work on this i need to think about this a little bit more um So yeah, essentially his entire army was facing down, a unit of melee, levy that I'd placed, uh, kind of uh, off to the side, and a unit of six warriors. That wasn't great. So, he uh, moved up quite a bit. Um, He wasn't... yeah, I moved I I tried to move my cavalry around one of the edges and that way I would be able to charge his unit of twelve warriors. However, he completely shut it down with uh biting cold, blizzard, and um a, a long winter as well. So that made it essentially that cavalry would have to move up uh to within M uh sorry, within uh short of his unit, and then since they're within short, they would um uh that would uh, sorry very short they would that would essentially count as being um in difficult terrain so you'd arrive with your um with your units uh essentially having one fatigue from having a double move and then ending your move in difficult terrain uh, for the charge so you'd be up to two or three fatigue by that time before you would even Yeah. yeah before you'd even fall to combat uh, so I would technically be able to be uh, to charge in with resolve if I rolled a, a, a rare and charge in with two units, but like the amount of dice it would take, first of all, to get into combat uh, and then fight the combat, starting off being exhausted, he might not be able to use my fatigue, but I would still be, yeah, I would still be minus one to hit him. Um, would be pretty insane, and and some of the stuff that pagan rust can do in terms of raising their armor to. Um, quite easily um, like it would just yeah it would like I wouldn't be able to do very much I would just be exhausted and then he would be able to counterattack me in his turn so it it kind of ended up in being a little bit of a standoff uh, like a little stalemate I didn't do anything on uh, with most of my army I had um, essentially uh, four points of my army yeah blocked by his uh, one and a half point of warriors so that was a good move by him it's very uh very savvy and then he essentially charged into my uh melee levy and then killed most of them and that was the end of turn three so uh, we counted up the master points he was up a little bit he'd uh eliminated two of my warriors and i think six six or seven of my levy um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he won the, the, mas- or the, the, the first three turns in terms of massacre points. And then in terms of the next few turns, we essentially just moved um, moved our armies past each other to the, the opposing uh, board edge. And, uh, uh, yeah, essentially that was the difference. Like the, just me not, uh, not doing very well, losing some Levian warriors. So I think the, the takeaway there is um, when you're playing a mounted a mounted army like like what I had essentially just run away from the pagan Rus. Um, like I kind of knew going into it that it was a um, like the the melees that I did engage in were not in my favor. So I'm not entirely sure why I did it. So I think sometimes you just have to be a little bit practical and just run away from matchups that you uh, <laughs> that you don't that that are not great. Which is a little bit of a shame. I think it's it doesn't feel quite right to me. Yep. Yep, yep. If I was playing purely on uh, focus on the tournament results, I would have. I would just played for the tie. Like he doesn't have any shooting to speak of. He has a unit of levy with javelins so they're pretty easy to get away from. So I could have. If if I was more worried about that, I would have just kind of ran away and not engage at all. But it would have been pretty boring. So. But anyway, so the, uh, yeah. I, I thought about. Sorry, I thought
1: sorry. about. I thought about um deploying. Like you could have. You could have. Yeah, you said you played it before, right? So uh, you could have been the real boring person and just deploy so that you max out on the very good uh, turn four and five and turn six, uh, other, up- like, scoring versions. So uh, deploy so that your units max out for uh, for survival points or deploy so your units max out for uh, for uh, conquer points or so uh, you're, you like, five blocks of warriors or something like that, you know? So uh, you got extra... Like a, a lot extra because depending on how you deploy, you get way more survival points like than other deployment methods. I, I don't, you probably know that, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, the difference there was um, I think you get a little bit of a benefit if you have a large uh, warrior uh, block. Um, but yeah, I didn't. Generally, I, I didn't play it super well. I kind of have to go back and, and optimize uh, what I'm going to do because just doing that on the fly as the third game it was a little bit too much too yeah, intense yeah, for yeah, me yeah, yeah i was not up for that so um i think uh, i would have done myself a favor definitely uh, uh looking at that but maybe just to round it up uh so david won um quite handily i think the the number of models actually eliminated in the end he got rid of my uh my levy uh, and then some warriors but that was it um so in the end, the, the tournament was one tie, uh, one win, one loss, and then two warlord kills. So <laughs> I ended up somewhere, somewhere pretty average, somewhere in the middle. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, really good fun. I had uh, a lot of fun. It was nice to get back to the, the
1: tournaments as well. I'm, I'm glad you could make it, man. You, uh, you placed eighth, so uh, just, just a little better than average. And I think that's, uh, that's totally fine with your results.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I was pretty happy about how uh, how I pl- placed in the end. Uh, some of the guys were were are pretty uh, pretty extreme in getting their practice games in. Um, I'm unfortunately, uh, it seems like I'm I'm limited to practicing only at tournaments at the moment. <laughs> so uh, this was my <laughs> fifth game, or these were my uh, bring my total number of games in 2022 up to five. So uh, I was pretty yeah, happy about the uh, the overall levels of practice. So. I think the only way is up uh, for twenty twenty two Nice Let's talk about some of the statistics and the results. i think you've you've yes. crunched the numbers. Do you want to maybe yeah, drop the suspense and then just tell the uh, tell people the results?
1: Yes, all right, so um before we go into number crunching that we should um appreciate our uh, our winners and like special winners and stuff, so uh, I'll just go through that real quick. We had an uh we had uh, Mirko from uh, Stronghold Terrain in first place, so uh, nice, good job, Mirko. <laughs> you, I think he uh, he's he's three for three in tournaments now for first place. I think. Yeah, so, he needs uh, to.
0: Uh, someone needs to stop him. This is yeah. No, I think
1: he actually he actually got second on the last tournament. So. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I take really, that back. Yeah. Yeah, he's an insane player though, and he's very 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 experienced. Probably like the most experienced player in Saga in Germany. So. Uh, that's nice he played normans and uh he played them well and won so uh second place was actually taken by your uh, opponent of the last game david or david so uh that was yeah he played uh, he played the pagan people so uh, or pagan rust so uh good on him and third play place was taken by uh by patrick from the table potless the like german youtube uh channel and um he played the, the Pagan Rust as well. <laughs> so yeah, um, Pagan Rust took uh, second and third place. So not too bad. The last place, very important. Uh, it's a special prize with us. So last place was taken by one of my own mates, um, one, of my, from one of the people from my club. And he, uh, he ended up with like minus 75 points or something. And he was super proud and uh, everyone loved him. So that, that was nice. Uh, best yeah, painted on. his uh, first first time playing saga as well right if if i understood it correctly yeah no definitely not he played a lot a lot of saga but oh. haven't hadn't played in like two years or something so and it was definitely his first tournament ever so uh all right that, yeah that, that's totally totally legit I, I think so as well and he's like he's always the best loser right he he's he never gets salty he always has a big laugh with his, with his opponent so uh yeah. Love him very much and he he was also the guy helping me to organize it so uh Martin thank you you're amazing. Yeah. Dude just just go for a uh, second to last place next time that's his goal so uh Yeah, but I guess you you get like an extra prize if you're last so it's not that bad. Yeah, he did, he did so uh, <laughs> it was all right. Um then we have uh the best painted. So um Tristan took his, uh took the best painted home with his uh, or Moors just like last tournament, because they just, just look amazing. They're like, yeah, he had camels to stand in for horses because that's. I think I told him that's fine because in Vikings, in Age of Vikings, there are no horses, so there's no like mixing that up. Um, and his yeah, his win just it's stunning, and he deserved it. The uh, Timo, your se- your uh, your second opponent, the other Umayyad player, um, finished second and best painted, and his his Umayyads looked amazing as well. So good on those guys and uh the last last special prize is the warlord slayer so uh you gotta slay as many warlords as you can and you also gotta kill as many of your like your warlord as many times as you can to make it extra bloody and um mirko took that home as well so (laughs) good tournament for him i guess very nice yeah so let's get into the uh statistics here a little bit yeah for the first game uh, desecration we had a Quite balanced out statistic, I think that was fine and i I uh, we picked that that scenario for the for the first game as well because it it's 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 very likely to end in a draw. and I think we saw that with the with the statistics now as well because like one third of the games ended in a draw, um which like three games ended in a draw from the nine games that were played. so uh, yeah, just like yours did. and I think that's quite like that's quite likely with the scenario that caps your uh, your points. so I did expect that, and it happened, so I'm glad we t- took that as the first scenario the uh the starting player won won two like two out of the nine games, and the non-starting player won four out of the nine games. so I think that's uh yeah kind of lopsided for the for the for the, for, the, for the like non-starting player and uh he he had a better chance of winning it or he did like he won more often, which is which is not surprising because I think it's quite. Well known that the non-starting player is the, uh, has the better win percentage overall. The second scenario, price possessions. I think <laughs> people were not too happy to to get the to get the wagon. Um, they were like, "Damn, I gotta, I gotta be the attacker now," kind of, and uh, they didn't quite like it. Were you happy that you didn't get it?
0: Um, yeah, I was. I was quite happy, mostly because I was a mounted warband, so I, I, I would have a little bit of issues. Um, defending stuff mm-hmm. um, and I don't really have a lot of multiple activations so right yeah, uh, yeah. it's already pretty tight to to move my uh, move the goths and and actually have a good good round of fighting and survive the next round uh just with the the regular dice and then having to kind of hurry up your baggages as well uh, yeah it's a little bit difficult even with the the determination that they have it's nice to be able to kind of move them a second time sometimes as well. I think that would have been quite tough. So, uh, yes, I would have been a little bit bummed out if I was, <laughs> right.
1: uh, had the baggages. So um, the, the, like the, the spread here is quite equal because the starting player won four of the f- nine games and the non-starting player won like uh, five of the nine games, which is interesting to me because I think that that was the one scenario where like people really wanted to be the non-starting player so not have the baggage trains. Um. Yeah, yeah I, was, so. I was surprised by that result actually. Yeah, I was not uh, expecting that. So that that was very very even. I think you can't get much closer with a four and five on a, on a nine nine person game, a nine player like nine games scenario. And the last one was a change of plans, and that's just that's the big surprise for me. So uh, that was one draw, um, just to get that out of the way. But we're not going to talk about the draw. Uh, I think that's very rare in that scenario and you don't, like, you don't really get that that often, which the <laughs> the starting player won one out of the nine games and the non-starting player won seven out of the nine games. The starting player won one game out of the eight remaining games, like not counting the draw, and the non-starting player won seven of the eight games, and I think that's huge. That's <laughs> that's insane. I think it's, uh that really shows that having to, like, having the very important terrain setup done right because you are the non-starting player so you probably you usually have more power of the over the starting player and terrain setup just showed how huge it can be and uh i'm super excited to uh keep on recording the statistics for this uh throughout the next the next few tournaments that I organize because i think it's uh that's insane like that that can't be that good of a scenario if the non-starting player wins seven out of aim like seven out of nine games um what do you think yeah, I was actually surprised
0: by the, um, quite how different the change of plans was. I thought it was, uh, generally, a, a pretty balanced, balanced scenario, but, um, I think the, uh, it gets a little bit lopsided as well, because, uh, in, in the, in the rules, you essentially, the first person who's ends their deployment or deploying all their units is the first player. Yeah. 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 You get screwed a little bit, uh as in uh kind of like the the situation I had where I basically deployed my entire warband before uh David had to deploy um, I think he maybe had one uh one time that he actually had to deploy something <laughs> and then starting off as well that makes it very difficult so maybe there's a, a, a case for uh either like scrapping that or or being like the person who de- ends their deployment can choose whether or not to go first or something. I'd be interested to to interested to uh, maybe think about a uh, uh, some way to, to make that a little bit more even because the the seventy percent is yeah it's kind of indicates there's uh,
1: something going on there. Yeah, that might be one of the scenarios I change up a little bit for next time um, because se- standard deployment with like deploying half and deploying full and then deploying the other half might just might just even this out a little bit. Um so that might be worth a try. So overall, counting draws, the non-starting player won 60% of the games, and uh fifteen percent were draws and like twenty-five percent were were wins for the starting player. And not counting draws, which is I think the more 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 fun statistic, is uh the starting player won 30% of his games and uh <laughs> the non-starting player won seventy percent of his games. So um that's just that's 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 just insane that's like uh 23 games and 16 out of those 23 games were won by the non-starting player which is yeah i don't think that's that's too balanced right now and it might be worth it to look at the yeah to look at the scenarios and i mean it's also it's also just a like a game pool of 27 games so i know that and we totally have to look into the next tournaments and uh collect all the data but uh, I'll just I'll definitely keep my eye my eye on it, um, and I'll definitely I'll definitely take the uh, the second scenario up for another run. I think because uh, that one was the most balanced. I can't believe it, but that one, the asymmetrical one, was the most balanced. So holy shit, definitely doing that again.
0: Yep, hundred percent. It was a
1: uh, it was a lot of fun as well. Just to uh, not have to play feasting pistolaging Yeah,
0: <laughs> so, good time. All right, I think that pretty much covers what we want to talk about at uh, the tournament. Yeah. However, you have one big
1: <laughs> huge announcement. Huge announcement, yeah. So um we have we we installed something and we got a voicemail. So uh we thought about it we thought it would be hilarious to have a voicemail for you to call and just uh leave us a voicemail with your hottest takes on saga, hottest takes on your uh on the on the scenarios you you uh, you played or like the the games you had or the fraction you play just give us your uh, your craziest ideas or your uh, um yeah your your best fun that you had and uh, talk about it leave it leave us a voice note and uh yeah. grab grab your pencils it's zero zero four nine six four zero four eight zero three zero seven five six so uh it's it's obviously it's free to call from germany it's free to call from europe it might cost like i don't know 10 cents per minute uh, from, from the US. Um, no guarantee on that, by the way. Um, we are not liable. Yeah, no, no. Nope, nope. uh, your phone bill. Feel free to call us from all over the world. It's a, it's a home number, so it shouldn't be too expensive. It's not like you're calling a, a cell phone. Indeed. Thanks a lot, Tim, again, for organizing the uh, tournament. I had a lot of fun. I'm
0: sure everyone. Me too, else. actually. Else thought it was pretty amazing, so thanks a lot for for all of that, and thank you very much to our listeners to making it to the end of the the episode, and hope to catch you soon.
1: Yes, bye bye.